The Sample Axis, administered by Boyga Nelson. Yeah, you're listening to the Sample Axis podcast. Um, Sample Axis is back. I'm not very excited, but you manage it like that. Well, I don't know why I'm not excited. No, it's human nature. If, if, we're not, if we're not excited about talking about stuff like this, we shouldn't no, even do it. It's building up now. It's just early. And again, we need to normalize not being excited. I don't understand. Robot. No, wait. But the thing is, this is it's, it's like premium stuff. Hmm. If we come out like this and we're not having the energy, sometimes people listen to us to chill. Art is relative, Relax. by the way. Yeah, right? But, you know, it has to be subjective to you first. Okay. How does that Makes work? sense. Van Gogh did not paint for everybody to love it. Okay, so... He painted for them to appreciate yeah. what is inside his head. Was he ever bored? I don't think he was. Man cut his there's ear. No, there's no way you can tell. Because I don't think he was. I don't artist. know. I don't know. But whatever bottom he felt would never show on his. But it's art. like it's like making music. Mm. You hear people like Whiskey, the Michael Jacksons, the you know the greatest of the greatest. They would say, "I wrote this music because I speechless." For example, mm. Michael Jackson said he was feeling a certain way, and moment. he wrote the song. Now. He didn't write his song so that 10, 15 million people would mess with the sound and say, this is the greatest sound of all time. No, he had a feeling. I felt a certain way and I want to document to how this. I felt that particular time, that moment. And then he sings a song and it becomes speechless, which happens to be one of the greatest songs of all time. How do we circle back to being bored? That's what I'm saying. Like, or being not excited. He was, yeah, he was doing something for him. So mm-hmm. that thing could have been pain. It could have been anger. It could have been love. It could have been being extremely bored. Hmm. And it still meant something to him. Okay. Do you okay. get what I'm saying? I mean, we hear, we, we have seen loads of songs that come from hard places. So, long and short is... The I, feeling doesn't matter <laughs> as far as the product is good. Can a, can a black man be boring in peace? <laughs> can, I, okay. can I be unexcited? All right, today? yeah, do your stuff, man. So, it's all good. Halfway in, I'll, be, I'll catch up with my vibe, right? So All yeah, right. welcome to Sample Access. My name is Bui Gadeo. Yeah, I'm a fine boy, professional fine boy, podcaster, and uh, the greatest of all time. Nelson is here. He's also, I don't know if he's a fine boy. You can say, <laughs> can say that ladies, for yourself. The ladies say I'm a fine boy. That's all that matters. I don't need the ladies to verify That's all that matters. Head. I don't even I don't, care if I think I'm a fine boy or not. I don't if the care, ladies I don't need think anybody. I'm awesome, that's all that matters. I don't need anybody's uh, <laughs> validation. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. All right. But Self-love. We're talking, we're talking some very nerdy. Today, yeah, right? nerdy stuff. We need to stop cursing. We need to stop cursing. That's you. I, I've stopped cursing since like episode stuff. eleven. <laughs> nerdy stuff to, on today's episode, and it is very nineteen ninety six, very nineteen sixty. Yeah. What am I saying? Very nineteen sixty six, very Independence nineteen sixty, and very James Brown ish. Can you slide in into what we're? But what you we're know, you know, I always enjoy talking about um, stuff like this because. This is one of this. Are, this is one of the reasons why people we, tune in and say they want to listen to our podcast yeah. because you probably will not get this anywhere. Yeah, in the space right now, nobody wants to talk for a long time. Old About school music old and school. connect this guy with this guy. What we are doing today, trust me, premium content. Very premium. And I'll tell you why. Orlando Julius is in the conversation. Mobad is in the conversation. James Brown is in the conversation. Very awkward to sleek in Mobad. To just sneak him, sneak him in like that. <laughs> like as if nobody would notice. But yeah, he's there. He's but there, yeah. He's taking a very short part. The the focus, if I would say, is on 
Orlando Julius. By the way, he has a name that you don't know. Ekemode. No, I know that. Oh, you know that. Yeah, yeah. of course. I That's do. one of. I, I like to say like that. But his official name is Orlando Julius. But we add Ekemode because of the Yoruba essence. So, where do we start from? Who is Orlando Julius, and why are we here? Before we get into that, the reason we have this episode is because we heard a song by Orlando Julius titled Joso from the album Super Afro Jams. Nelson should correct me halfway in or whenever. One of the albums that he did in 1966 had the song Ijo So. Yeah. And so on that song, the bite I heard, I don't even know if by then sample sampling was a thing. I don't think sampling was a no, thing. No, it at wasn't. The time. It wasn't a thing yet. But influences, music spread, people the, were influenced. The word, the word, the word sampling. As at the time that this was used wasn't a thing so how do we explain this yeah it, this was just pure inspiration inspiration but then you could tell that it was taking a major bite it, of was, it. it was like a cover yeah some, it was like a cover but like you know cover, also like influences. but he made new i mean a different sound or a different vibe with that even though it sounded exactly like you know the chorus he changed the words changed parts of the flow but you know i feel good so good um, um, so good I got it. So yeah, Ijoso is an Afro song. So first of all, before we get into that, how much do you know of Orlando Julius Ekemode? Orlando Julius, um, few things that I know. This man has been around for a very long time. I think one of his uh, first major album in terms of commercial success was the Super Afro Soul that was released in 1966. And um, before then, he had started making music. Uh, like you said, his full name, Orlando Julius Aremu, Ulusonya, Ekemode. Mode. Ekemode. 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 That's Ekiti now. Yeah. Oh, he's from Ikole Ekiti. Not exactly. Is he? He grew up in Ikole. Okay, he was born there. He was born in Ikole and then mm. moved to Undo, but I can't tell if he is a kitty. But he has made music referencing Ikole a lot. So. Yeah, 1943. Now, this is just random stuff, but I just realized that... I Orlando was correcting Genius, you. I wanted to explain Ekemode. Ekemode okay, okay. is a child who lies. Yeah, 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 I know, I know, yeah, I know, I know that. Day. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, for the listeners. Yeah, 1943, back Yeah, to back to that. I just, you know, this is just random thought. George Washington Benson, the American jazz artist... 1943 as well. Born. 79, yeah. Is he, al- is he is he's still around? Yeah, still around. Yeah, this In Baba fact, still yeah, around. still around. Though. So it's really cool. I didn't even see that correlation until we wow. just said 1943. So, so what, what, what's the divide? George Washington or George? George, I mean, they, they came in around the same time, started doing music around the same time, still what, alive What today. was George doing? George Jazz, like I said, Jazz, oh, American jazz. jazz. And George had already, George Washington, George Washington Benson mm. dropped his 20th album in 1980 yo to show you how much work was put into was about him. 40 years but yeah that, what, what, what I'm saying and uh, what I'm talking Judge Benson is just correlating back to you know the amount of work that must have been put in by Orlando Julius Orlando Julius known for many many songs Afrobeats in fact you know the Afrobeats the early Afrobeats guys genre the early Afrobeats guys yeah not, not even I'm not even trying to try talk about the genre right now I'm talking about the vibe they had that time there mm. was a certain kind of vibe for the music. I know, I remember when you were saying this thing, a lot of people might come at you for it, but I'm the one exposing you. You were saying, ah, I think maybe Orlando Jr.'s uh, Afrobeats might be, might just be more interested than that of Fela Nicola Kukuti. I don't know if I want to stand by that now that we are, we are on record, but maybe I should explain better. Again, uh, okay. nobody 
really cares about what I'm saying. Maybe after five years. <laughs> okay. But the deal is, fellas, Afrobeat is very academic. Mm. Very... Structured. Very structured. There's no... You can't mess it you up. You cannot... Except, except maybe the Africa 70 and Egypt 80. Complete difference in terms of how they approach the music. Of course, at some point, he was... You know, he would play music for you to dance to. Wadele, Wairoi. You know. Like Viva Africa too. Viva Africa. There were some songs that he did for partying mm-hmm. before he moved into that beast of an activist. Bongpo uh, Pangpa. Pafukana, those songs are not for you to dance and groove like that. Yeah, it is for you to farabale and understand, listen, listen to what I'm saying. Listen, to I'm the arranging story. these beats to the because music. I want to set you in a certain mood. Yeah. Of course, you can still groove to VIP. Very important yeah. person. You can move, but the this uh, this groove of Shakara now. Yeah. The, the, there is the jiving the ruffle, ruffle, but then it's, but you, a can lot of to, it, you can't move to beast of nation. a lot of it you see when you hear Selma to Soweto by yeah you see the difference I'm yeah, talking about yeah. Orlando Julius calculation arrangement beats are so Sonia they type yeah they are for dancers they are so let's, 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 let's ginger that, that's what I mean of course Fela is the, is the, is the pioneer and the, and, the, and the king yeah so um, I think uh, one of the reasons why we will have to talk about how much of uh, an effect Orlando Julius had on the, in the industry or on the industry of that time uh, is that effect of being you know enigmatic in terms of his approach towards music mm. he wasn't just this was the Afrobeats genre that we hear in a sound was not even a thing when he started doing it. You understand what I'm saying? Mm. He was he was messing with sounds that he felt was good enough. So basically what he was doing, because you could see in that Super Afro soul, most of the songs there were not mirror of other songs, mm. but they were, t- they were inspired by the commercial culture. songs. Yeah. Commercial songs everywhere else. Mm. So he would make them and break them down and then redo them Adding his own emergency element. That's what I like to call it, emergency element. Because mm. if you listen to it, that's a new word, yes. I'm being a Kanye right now, and I'm starting new words. Emergency element. I'll say, I'll explain to you what emergency element means. In Ijo Show, the song we're talking about today that, you know, got the sample from the big song, I Feel Good by James Joseph Brown, there was almost a complete similarity. It felt like it was a Yoruba version of the song. Yeah, exactly. And then there's... A couple of elements that comes in and disrupts every single thing. Quickly, I don't know if this is AKA right. emergency element. Yeah, this is. I don't know if this is the right way to sneak this in, but a lady called Clay, she makes rock music. She recently dropped a song, or she dropped a song one time called Ami, and it's rock. And then it gets after after eight bars or after eight cycles, she would move into the Afro beats mm. element. Mm. She would do the. Uh, the the fast Afrobeat yeah. music and get back to rock, which is what you, what you're talking about. Yeah, after it's like that, that breakdown. Yeah, breakdown. Mm. After Ijo So, the part in Ijo So that takes from James Brown, I feel good, gets to a, a point, changes the beat to fast Afro. Mm. Let's go. Banana, banana, banana. That's creativity, right? Exactly. That's 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 one. That's why you, I said you, you you change something and you add your own. That's why. El- that's why I said he was enigmatic in his approach. Mm. Now and don't forget that this was 1966. Fela didn't come into prominence till like 68 or 69. Just to track back a little bit to see where he's coming from, he learned from some of the best at the time, right? He was born in Ikolekiti, moved to Undo Town. Yeah. From. Undo, 
The story says he had to drop out of school after the death of his father and then went to Ibadan to pursue being a musician, a career in music. So he had learned in Ondo before moving to Ibadan. He had started a band with, you know, would go to a hotel and play there. And he was working with a person's band called Rex Williams. This is different from Cardinal Jim Rex Lawson. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When I saw that, I actually thought, I'm like, Rex, when I saw Rex, I'm like, oh, yeah. So in Ibadan, he joined uh, Rex, Rex Williams' High Life Band. Of course, this was around 1957, pushing 1958. Was it? Okay, not the war situation, but High Life mm. was a thing around this time. I think this was around the same time or much later than this, he joined. Okay, Eddie Okunta invited him to join his band. Yeah. Uh, Okunta obviously was one of the biggest at that time. The story goes, there was a time Louis Armstrong came to perform in Nigeria. That's 1966 and 67. So, so he, um, Eddie Okunta and... Um, you know, together with um, um, Julius, Julius as a member of Eddie Okunta's band, they opened for Louis Armstrong on that gig and it was major. Yeah, so, it was. So, you know, there's no way you talk about the story without talking about a legendary moment like that. Exactly. Uh, so, speaking of that culture and the people who were around 1955 all the way to 1960 and then pushing it forward, how, how do we describe that era? Was it majorly high life? Yeah, it was, it was, I mean, we had the Juju. Juju was still popping, popping a lot that time. I Tundi mean, Nightingale. We're talking about the nineteen late 1950s. So that's what everybody was listening to, Juju. And then High Life had come in, but it wasn't solid yet. I mean, it took High Life almost a decade. In fact, the rejuvenation, because High Life was already there, but the rejuvenation of High Life happened in 67. With? With you know that Folk, folks like that that war time yeah, yeah yeah that was the go to music I mean we have, if you go through Rex Lawson's um documentary you see how important the war time yeah. was such a big deal for the high life musicians everybody that was doing high life around that time Lawson that was doing high life um um Osadebe was doing high life um, Oriental brothers I don't the know. Oriental brothers oh. uh, were doing high life Peacock Band. We're doing our life, high life around that time. Those guys, the, that time was their time mm. to work. Was the Eastern Jeremy High Life Victor Waifo bigger? Olaya too was active then. Victor Olaya. So that was their time. The reason why was because they needed to move around. There was so much happening. Music had to go around. Mm. And what was the music? This, if you check the storylines of most of these people, especially Orlando Julius as well, they had to sing in hotels. People don't do that anymore. It's not as big anymore. That's a one best sound. Now. That's a one best sound. But that was the one best sound of that time. You go to hotels and you play this kind of music yeah. to people. So, High Life was the song, was the genre that was being passed around. So, we had people that held down hotels. So, after the whole craziness of the war and whatever is going on, the whole madness, people go to hotels to in the evening, you know, take, you know, one or two drinks or just there to chill. And they play songs like this. Dun, 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 dun. And most of the, even even if you gather old videos of what happened in the 60s, late 60s, late 70s, people like Orlando Julius were the ones running the show. Mm. They so, knew what was happening. So were, were there alternatives? Uh, they were, they, that's the thing. There was, now we have mentioned were, Juju and High Juju, Life. It was majorly Juju and High Life. Every other sound. Michael Jackson's sound. Obviously, were they didn't come in till. They didn't come in till. Michael Jackson's sound didn't come in till. 
the late 70s, 70s late sixties. Uh, from sixty nine, sixty nine was Michael Jackson's big break. But Nigerian, I would like to Di- believe okay, that. Okay, Nigeria digesting old mu- um, American foreign music, music, foreign music. Of course, they were. But you know, around the time sixty nine. So was 60s, there, was anyone trying to? Okay, the this, this is this is um Orlando Julius biting off James Brown. Exactly, James Brown was very. How popular many more people in Africa were trying to? The Beatles, Rolling Stone. How many more Nigerians Redding? were trying to so, okay, I'm, uh, Loads I'm of them sh- actually, sure but only few succeeded, succeeded in taking that sound commercial. Mm. What I mean is that, like I said, there was no... Which is still weird because if you are being truthful, even till now, there is still no, like, seeable structure of the Nigerian music industry. And that's a commercial Appa- for another day. Apparently. That's a conversation for another day. But, mm. like, that's something I can stand my ground on and explain to people. Mm. Do you understand? There's no setting. And then, what we let... What, what happened with Decca and Polygram and... There's never really been a structure. Never really been. It's just that we had Polygram... But when you say structure, what's, the, what's, in, what's in America? It's, I mean, it's, in it's America... It's the same one-off labels. No, okay, no, no, not, it's not, not one-off. It's not one-off. It's not one-off. There is... There are top five. There, yeah, top five. And there is a way to run music business. Hmm. Do you understand? There's like a certain... It's, it's evident when you come into the 80s. I'll explain to you. Solar records. 80s is too far. Let's remain in the 50s. Uh, okay. I'm trying to... Because I'm, I'm trying to remember like the one I can remember okay. from the top okay. of my head. Okay. But but just explain the structure from where you... Yeah, yeah. Okay. You have a record label. You have... Yeah. Let's do 60s. Elvis Presley. He wasn't the only person in his record label. Mm. But his record label knew... There was a structure for us to get this guy to market. What do we do? Who are we marketing this music to? Hmm. We have the black people. How do we get the black people to listen to his music? We got we got songwriters that were black people. Speaking of James Brown, we were watching that documentary. How was the business done with with James Brown? James this Brown was forties. James 50s. Brown. James Brown was a madman, and I'll tell you why he was a madman. He knew what he wanted to do with the business and how he wanted to make his money. Do you understand? Hmm. I don't want us to get into it because when we start talking about James Brown's story, just go it way. will be too long. So, so let's, yeah, let's, let's quickly talk track about back to, track back to the Nigerian setting and what mm. was happening around that time. There was no perceived or seen structure. And it was because we didn't have everything on guard. Like I was trying to explain Elvis Presley. They knew what to do. Okay, this guy is singing rock. Mm. We need to get through to the black audience. What do we do? We get a black artist to write a song and... Perform? A song that a song that and perform the song. They used to call this uh forgotten the name right now. This it's like a demo recording, but you wrote the song, but you are not going to perform it. Mm-hmm. The same thing Jay-Z did for Steel Dre. Mm. I've forgotten that there's a particular there's, name there's for a it. There's yeah, a there's a name, there's a word for it where you record, but you are recording for somebody else to mm. record the main thing. Yeah, okay. So black people did this a lot. Mm. They would record for the superstar. For the superstars. And then these superstars will now re-record what they have heard in their own way. And this would appease to the black audience. Royalties coming. Royalties coming, obviously, from the black person, although there was a lot of shady business, but still, mm. they still got one or two things. You mm. understand? So, you have you, there was a way to get each market. There was a structure. There was there, there were there was moves a way that to sell an there, Yeah, there was a move to replace and just you know, there's this thing you call there's this thing even even recently with a new artist like Whiskey, we call it like replace the artist. Mm. So it's a structure like okay. Despacito was going to get bigger. What can we do to make this bigger? We Justin add this Bieber. artist to it. Then you remove this person. Now remove this person. You're trying to make essence bigger. What happens? Replace Despacito player with Wizkid. Do you understand what I'm saying? I'm lost. Despacito was a record label's prime record. No, was- a record label was trying to push. 
they were trying to get the audience. Of course, that's the Puerto Rico that's or whatever. What exactly, that's what I'm saying. They because just replaced, the remix. Yeah, and they got, that was the same thing. What was replaced? What was the replacement? You man? replace the song and artist and you just put another person in it. Whiskey already had a song that was about to blow up. Yeah. We needed to get bigger. Yeah. So what do we do? We replace, use the same formula yeah. of appeasing to the white audience yeah, yeah. because only black people were listening to yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Replace and do that. That's the structure that happens in but the US. But that's not replacement if you check. That's, it is. That's a feature. No, How is it different? no, I don't mean that. No, I'm talking about the formula of getting the audience to listen to your music. We didn't have stuff. What if I told you I'm still very lost? Oh. <laughs> now, let, okay. me, let me explain like, right, like a nursery right. school kid, right? The, the, the Northwest America. Yeah, I remember the name now is Replace and Effect. That's okay. what they call okay. it, Replace now, and Effect. Essence was moving. Mm. It gets It was to... moving, but the only people listening... Oh, constant. <laughs> You get, eh? It was just moving. Exactly, it was moving. But the only people that were listening it was penetrating African Americans. Exactly, but we needed it to. I mean, this is to get it to a new we audience. Have, let me explain it to in like mathematics. Mathematics, you understand? Three hundred million people in the US. Yes. You have twenty percent of them listening to essence. black listeners. Yeah. So you have not even half of the people. Now the users for the the way they the metrics mm. what they use the Apple Music and all that you have more of the white audience determining what you know what gets, what to, gets to number one hmm. or gets to number 10 so what do you do these 20 20 percent are always going to listen hmm. so how do i get through to the other 80 percent hmm. that do not listen i get an artist that does their, their kind market. of music that is their own artist hmm. get featured on this That's artist. the only reason exactly the only reason why i would listen to this artist now is because this their own artist is in the record. So what's the replacement? I'm the, lo- I'm still the lost. The replacement? No, I'm not saying it's not like a direct replacement. Can it's we just, just say moving to a new market? But yeah, but the idea is replace an effect because you are using a formula that's always been used from years back. Mm. Do you understand? Mm. This is a formula that's never changed. What was replaced? The, the, the song and the song and the artist now. Now, let me ask again. If the current song on top 10 billboard is Despacito, for instance, yes. or Kid Laroy or whatever. Yeah. Now, you know Despacito didn't get Are you replacing what they are listening to? No. No, it's not replacing. It's just... This see, is frustrating me, for you now. <laughs> it's, not, it's, it's not. It's not. I'm just trying. I, I feel like sometimes it can be crazy. Yeah. This but that's that, that. This is a known phrase. Yeah, this is, what, this is what they use. It's, the, like, it's like something that's been working for years. Mm. You want to get a new market. You just replace that formula that's been Peru. used. It didn't work for Peru with the 21 Savage. It didn't work. Yeah. But that was the idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you see record labels doing five, six, seven remixes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not because the song is not, like, good enough on its own. It's already good. They're trying to attach themselves to all of these audiences because the more the listeners, the more the views, the more the attention. Especially when you've seen the potential. It's like CK's Love One Tinty. That worked for him. 25 remixes. Exactly. And it got to every corner. It's not up to that. That was just an (laughs) It got to every corner that they wanted it to get to. Mm. Do you understand? If you had gotten a very big star, maybe like Sam Smith or somebody that was big in the white community, but because that song was already big, there was no need for the replace and effect in that. You understand? And mm. this is not a thing. This is the thing that's been happening all the way back. Mm. Going back now to Orlando Julius, yeah. all the way back. Then Nigerians didn't have a structure to pull that off. Mm. They didn't have the, Machines, the machinery. The... They didn't have even the connection. Yeah. So what they did was I would take a song that is already big out there mm. that people are already familiar with. Mm. I would bring it and retune in my own way mm. and still make it very sound like, make it sound as similar as I want it to be. Mm. But then these people are saying, this is our sound, but it sounds different. 
Is that appropriation? Of course not. It's, it's not appropriation because you, but, are, but, but you are not you are not killing the culture of that sound. Do you see the imperialism in a way? Because I wonder what radio was like. Because look at the 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 Kenny story, the the Ray Power story. Ray Power came and started to play Nigerian new pop music. Mm-hmm. Right? What was on radio was all foreign music. Tupac, exactly. Biggie. Jay-Z, whatever was popping out there. In fact, music videos was all foreign because those were the cool videos, Buster Rhymes, Ashanti. So, they started to domesticate. And so, artists needed to make videos in that manner to make songs like that so they could get on playlists, they could be played on radio. Um, Do you see what I see, which I call cultural imperialism? Yeah, Which China tries to stop by limiting exactly i see i see i see that happens a lot but you're talking about a time where like i said if there was a structure then there would have there wouldn't have been and economics applies to it too even there wouldn't have been if your music doesn't doesn't make move you don't make money i mean that's one of the things why we love orlando julius's music it's so commercial and it's really good as well forget about the fact that i mean there's nothing you want to say to me they had other artists then yeah that way you know they were they were on the same path. Yeah. But his was a standout. I'm sure Fatai Rolling Dollar exactly. was popping around. He was a standout. Fatai Rolling Dollar is a, is a groove man too. Yeah, but you say Fatai Rolling Dollar is a national hero. And that song is But you know, Orlando, you know, we know how much of a legacy Orlando Gios has moving forward. You understand? She broke the barrier of staying in just one zone. She was beyond. Like, even till recently, as as recent as 2010, People still reference Orlando Julius breaking barriers and moving to other spaces because he was ready to commercialize what he had. Hmm. So he knew he had the buttons and that's why he's a legacy. Why do you think he's not top 10 when we talk about the OGs, when our generation talk about OGs? It's because um, he wasn't a major pioneer. He wasn't Juju. He wasn't a major pioneer. Really? Yeah. Is that the reason? Yeah, I think that's the reason. If he was a major, if he was a major pioneer, we would talk about him. Because who do we talk about when we talk about major pioneers? Um, fella, King, King Sonia Day. These were people that. Now, who who are, who are top ten OGs randomly? Randomly, you call Sir Victor Wifeo. Victor Wifeo, sister of Osade Bay. King Sonia Day. King Sonia Day. Ebenezer Bay. Um, Fatai Rolling Dollar. Um, Fatai Rolling. No, I wouldn't call Fatai Rolling Dollar yet. Are you for real? I would say national hero. We're talking about people that people in our gen yeah. would say oh, we know these guys. They, they wouldn't. They wouldn't know exactly. And like if, what what all, all these guys have in common? They were pioneers of records. one particular sound. I think what the what the what they're known for popular is popular records. Their songs pioneer. are still here. Yeah, and they were pioneers of, like for example, a genre high life. When Victor Waifu did Joromi, they hadn't. Nobody had heard hmm. high life that way. Hmm. Well, we just had five. We need five more. Ah, uh, we need five more. Okay. Onyeka 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 Theodora Theodora Ifudu. I don't think so. Okay, Evietna Ogoli. Now, that's a yeah. no-brainer. Yeah. Majek Fashek. Ah, uh, well. Yeah, Majek Fashek. Exactly. Absolutely. Uh-huh. So, um... Uh, who who else gets called an OG around here? In this time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just... I mean, we're, we are struggling to feel 10. Yeah, because, you know, no, because you... Is that is that we're talking ba- about? Barista don't forget, don't forget barista. that we don't forget the reason the criteria for what we are doing now is the tender. We now, no, I'm just ask ask a 30 year old guy outside. I be a 30 year old guy. I mean, you're talking Ebenezer will be. 
Uh, and then we mentioned that, and then SAB obviously. SAB obviously, we are going to call fifteen twenty. If yeah. you are talking to a thirty-year-old guy, yeah, because yeah. that one has listened to like old school. But movie. Orlando Julius is not in the conversation. Yeah, if we even weirdly you call Orlando or before you call Orlando Julius. Yeah, you call Oliver the Coke before you call Orlando Julius. Yes. So Orlando Owo quickly was very, very Yoruba. You know, he was big. In fact, I I was listening to Daily Adunyo just show one time, and he talked about the fact that. Orlando Julius probably made records before Baba Ike Dairo. Yeah, that makes perfect Orlando, sense. Orlando, did I say Orlando Julius? No. Orlando Owo. Orlando Owo is such a revered man Yeah. in this space. God rest his soul. Come on, that he's, voice, he's that voice respected alone. That voice alone. On many levels. And that's on records, and that's on essence of connecting music to audiences, and that's on, you know, many, many things. So... Lugba, Lugba, yeah, 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 Lugba, Lugba. That's Orlando. Yeah, yeah, of... Uh, ganja, Ganja. He's, he has hit records. That's what I'm saying. Adajo, Migba, Ganja. Please, let's not take, let's Look, not take anything from Orlando Julius. Orlando Julius should be, I think we should actually even push Again. for him to be in that sphere. Let's people from now on, after listening to this podcast, be reminded that I don't Orlando think that's Julius, how it works. I don't think I'm not I think I'm, I'm saying I think it's about what radio has pushed to you. And, but I'm, that's what I'm saying that when I was we have up, the opportunity right now to say now Orlando Julius has done enough. Do you know Shegunawe? No. I know Shegunawe. Okay, you know Shegunawe, yeah. but many many don't know. Do you know Professor Waiki Ajao? You don't. Many mm. don't know. Again, it depends on longevity, how much how many records you put out, how Ahuja Belo how many, how big were you on radio? It's the same thing right now. Yeah. King Sonia, they get played on radio uh-huh. every, every, in fact, OAPs don't know the other OGs. They just know Sonia and Obe. Yeah. Those are the Davido and Whiskey. Yeah. Those are the two. The, the, for the but, Juju section. For OG music in Nigeria, <laughs> but I go to any radio station, tell them to play you throwback music. Those are the two that will come up. Yeah, true. So, we need more names. We need to be, so, as much as we're trying to put the name out there, but, you know, within 1980 or 1990 to 2010, what was radio playing as as old school music? It was mostly Ebenezer Obey, King Sonyadi, SAB, maybe one more person. People oh, don't know Basilia. Orlando like Orwell. Orlando Orwell is important to Ni- Yoruba cultural mm, heritage. Heritage. And the, and, the sound. You know, representation. And, yeah, representation of the culture. So, so I think those things play a factor. Again, Orlando Julius gets featured in, in the UK. Yeah. By even us don't even, people we don't care about the helicentrics, a band in the UK, you know, approach to work with him. In Canada, he's playing shows. In Puerto Rico, in jazz festivals, yeah. he's everywhere. So, because it's a musical phenomenon. Yeah. Because of he's not big here and he's not, because he's not the biggest here doesn't mm. mean he's not yeah. a musical phenomenon. Yeah. I mean, you can tell like you said, now I don't think his sound is as great as that of Fela. That's for me personally. But you can tell from his sound that this man is amazing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's a person that you say you can you want to work with. Yeah. There's a friend of mine I used to. Yo, you know, the music is sweet. Yeah. Right now, if you want to confirm what we're saying, we can't play the music, but check Selma to Soweto and Era Miliki. Yeah. Bro. Era, I think people should know Era Miliki now. Bro. People should, yeah. Yeah, people should know that. But it's still not big enough. Yeah, but I, people, people, a lot of people should know Era Miliki. Era Miliki, oh, by a bat. It's not, it's not even the words. It's yeah. the arrangement. The saxophone, the chords. Yo, mm. that's pure groove, bro. Yeah, but, 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 you know, not to take anything from the man. She's great, he's awesome. And again, what, one thing we're missing. 
Afro beat without the S. Yeah. He's heavy on that. It's like fella on fella on groove. You know what Nigerian producers do with, with what they call rhythm? Yeah. It's like putting fella on rhythm. That's what in fact that's it. Orlando Julius, <laughs> again, this might be disrespectful. I don't mean it like that. But it's like putting something that is sweet and then spraying some more sugar. Mm. So you get. Mm. I, I like the way he plays. Like, I love it. Again, it's the same feeling that very classic fella records mm. that I connect to like that. But there are some nerdy fella music that they're not the sweetest type of music, but you respect the, ar- the arrangement. And that's on um, Power Show. Or, you know, those records that have great storytelling. Bafukana Quench, uh, Power Show. There's this... Pop- particular song trouble sleep younger go we come that's not exactly a danceable song that's not but you can uh, listen to my story my friend just came back from jail and landlord the trouble i'm waiting you define yeah so i'm trying to tell you a story but this is the groove i'm i'm, I'm, I'm giving you so and, and orlando julius has some of those records too it's not all groove groove dance dance but you can respect the way he he presents the music random yeah. random just, just to let people know that right now what we are talking about is just to you know let you know the music and the legacy of Orlando Julius. Before we move on to James Brown, do not forget that we're still talking about Ijo So and I Feel Good, trying to make the connect. Talking legacy, someone, Lokpa Kotari of the BBC Radio called Orlando Julius a legend and also Robin Denselo of The Guardian wrote that he is one of the heroes of um, Nigerian music. He had a significant influence on Afrobeat music. I hope someday, because recently we have seen the the mention of some legends in the first year of Afrobeat Hall of Fame yeah. that was introduced. I hope someday, not not too distant time, Orlando Julius can be obviously will be recognized. I would I would bet on that because after you I mentioned, think we are playing our parts here now. Yeah, after you mentioned Fela, there are a few other people who played music. The people who were associated with Fela. Roy Ayers. There yeah. was a lady called. There's a particular lady. Um, she, uh, is this Suzanne? No. Suzanne. Uh, Suzanne. She didn't play like on that scale. Yeah. Apart from Fella and a few other folks, I found out Bola Johnson recently. Is it Bola Johnson? I'm not so sure. Um, who else? And I, I like. And I always like for us when we talk about Fella Nicola Kukutis, we should always put Tony Allen in the mix somewhere. Yes, Tony Allen. And big respect. I, I, to I was trying to make a point about apart from him and. The Femi Kuti and Sheon Kuti. We don't mm. really know another Afrobeat legend like that. If you know, let me know. Yeah, yeah, we don't. I don't think there's even anybody that you want to put the Afrobeat legend. Maybe you want to call um When I say Afrobeat legend, I'm not talking Afrobeat Hall of Fame because Afrobeat to the S is now a combination of all the influences. Yeah. But okay. that Afrobeat, that that raw Afrobeat sound without. I'm trying the to S. remember, there's a name that comes Orlando to Orlando Julius would easily take. He should two. make he should make the list, but like no, you said. Not, not, not make the list. Number two position about after <laughs> Fela, who else? True, did? true, true. Because I, 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 I listen to some fella collabs. There are some people I, I just don't know their names, but I don't see them. As one, I'm trying to remember one of them. This guys they started very early too, and I think fella collabed with them mm. in one uh, song. I'm going to remember their name, and whenever I do remember their name, I'm going to come up. Um, and even if out. it's not in this episode, I'll get back to it. And Let's move to now to the other side. Um, James Brown, I feel good. This is one of the BS songs of all time. I yeah, probably arguably one of the biggest songs of all time. In fact, are you sure? Arguably one of the biggest top ten or 
maybe not top 10, but one of the biggest of all time. When you say biggest, is it numbers or? Yeah, biggest in numbers and biggest on the effect Sales. that he had in that particular timeline. Yeah, popularity. Why is it bigger is than it Michael Jackson's biggest? What's Michael Jackson's biggest? I did Jackson's not say it was like bigger than that. I said one of the biggest. I didn't say it was the biggest. I mean, really? one of the biggest means it could be okay, in a, in a pool okay. of a one of hundred. Who is who is top five? Top five, biggest Michael songs. Jackson. Um, Whitney Houston. No. Michael Jackson, Whitney Houston. Yes, greatest love sure? of all. Are you? That's not her song. It doesn't matter. She made that song. Are you own. saying that song would make top five? No, I don't. You don't know. So. I don't think we make top five, but, but it would make top of, ten. It's it's in the conversation. Greatest love of all. It would make top ten. What was what other song is in that? Um. Mm, Louis Armstrong, what a wonderful world! Oh, okay, okay. We have lots of we have like there's there's like you know some songs you put there's this song Elvis Presley, uh, Never Walk Alone. Okay, Unforgettable. Who is that? That's Frank Na- Sinatra. Na- Frank Sinatra and Nat King Cole. Okay, so one of them will make that list. Okay, but you see that song Never Walk Alone, Liverpool's new song Elvis Presley, my song. Yo, yeah, that's a song. That's a song forever. So what's the origin of I Feel Good? I know that I would. So good. Talking about James Joseph Brown, and I'm trying to tell you this is not the James Brown we know now uh, in Nigeria. Hey, yo, <laughs> I knew it was going to come up. Born 1933, uh, now of blessed memory, uh, died 2006 uh, on the 25th of December. 2006 is a long time. Michael Jackson died 2009. So the legends are living. Yeah, the legends are living. Uh, let's talk Which more about... Which is natural happen. Uh, yeah, like, I mean, it's normal for it to happen. James Joseph Brown was the king of soul. Wait, the oh, there's someone called James J.T. Taylor. James J.T. Taylor, yes. Now that's Why are they James J., James Joseph? Because it's the same James Michael Joseph, Joseph Brown, Michael Joseph. And now he's the same... Very Christian, Abby. yeah. A Christian community and all that, so that's they always the black that people thing. came up on that. That's yeah. the, is that the protest? And most of them, most of them, their names are yeah. always like out so. All like, the Nancys, Aritas, all of them, they have because do you know how many Nancys we have? <laughs> you know how many Nancys we have? Yeah, like I'm talking about music, like use importance, history, history Nancy Sinatra, Nancy, uh, Pelis, I was not that lady, uh, there's like two, and three then there, there will be Alice, there will be Beatrice. Nah. I just, it's too much. <laughs> ah, too much. But back to it. Uh, James Joseph Brown, uh, born 1933, like I said, uh, passed in 2006. He was an amazing uh, artist. Amazing is, is, is not the word now. He, he was a superstar. Uh, well, yeah. He was a rock star. Big man. In fact, he was a hustler mm. in all sense of the word. When I mean all sense of the word, I'm going to explain that to you. So, um... He was born uh, somewhere very small in the uh, United States of America. They used to call that place uh, the poor area. In terms of poor area, because these guys didn't have a lot of money, I'm just not going to tell you the name of the place because I'm not even trying to like you know go so much into that. Um, his mother left when he was four because they were too poor. Hmm. And she probably felt like, you know, I could do more. So him and his father, they moved to the city and, you know, his father was working. And How did the story end? Let me jump start. Mm? How did that story end? He did brought his mom it? and his father back again. Sometimes in like... No, in the, the mom left. He was a boy mm. still in the village. Yeah. In, in Nigerian context. <laughs> How did the mom's story end? Did, they, did she make it? I don't even... 
there were no, I don't know so much about that brother. But, but I, I really wanted to be sure. Like that. what happened in the long run? That's so what for part two. Perfect Nollywood. It'd have been a perfect Nollywood film. <laughs> yeah. All right. So um, that happened and uh, they had to move on. <coughs> so he had to stay with his aunts, two of them, and um, because his father was working all the time. So the aunt. I don't know whether I wish you know it, but let's just say this. The aunt, uh, one of them was running a brothel. Mm-hmm. And so, but she was still kind-hearted. I mean, people in the area still loved I her. Mean, because be she was, you know, she was bringing... Might be crime, but it doesn't might change be crime, but it was, it was that time... I mean, a lot of words were thrown in James Brown's life, like, it's not enough to be called a crime because they were doing it to survive. You understand? It was so weird. It was such a hard time for them. I'm talking about the late 40s. I'm talking about early 40s now, 19... 1937, 1938. Mm. These were hard times for black people. Mm. So everybody was just trying to get on their own groove. And, uh, you know, people, black men were not allowed to work beyond factories. Mm. You're not allowed to put on a suit. Who are you? Why would you put on a suit? So were, she was running a brothel. And, of course, uh, she had a couple of children around. And um, she was going to church a lot. These were people that were running brothels, but were still going to church a lot. Do you, do you know the irony? Kids are somewhere around. Yeah, maybe a few meters away. Yeah, and there was a brothel here. Yeah, and according to what was being said to the historians and the guys that did the research, they said they lived very good because they would attend church every Sunday, hmm. and the children were never in the mix. Hmm. You understand? It was a respected brothel. I don't even know if that's a big thing. Hmm. You get what I'm saying? Like, okay, do your business. Low don't, key. don't. You understand? Low key. Don't stress. This is a house. This is your brothel. Mm-hmm. They are two different entities. Don't, mm. you know, mm. mix the two together. We're trying to make ends meet here. Mm. We're taking yeah, care of our children here. So yeah. he grew up around a lot of people. And um, as he got older, he got interested in music because of going to church. And um, he had a couple of influences, especially one that he likes to talk about. Uh, the former jazz artist that you know, is of blessed memory because obviously long time ago, Louis Jordan. Mm. Now he saw Louis Jordan on TV and he was impressed and he wanted to be like Louis Jordan. So his father, you know, his father had this 10 cent um, harmonica that mm. he gave to him and he saw that this boy picked it up very, very fast. But he wasn't about to get the surprise of his life mm. because he got his money together, you know, got a small piano for him, a very small one. And he brought it to the house to surprise the boy because he was impressed by what the boy could do. And James Brown said this himself. James Joseph Brown, he said it himself in the documentary, was there. He said his father brought in the, the piano around 11 a.m. Mm. And by the time his father came back by 7.30 p.m., he had learned how to play it mm. and he could play a song. So that's how you could tell that this guy was music. Yeah. And, music and was there would be some level of, I don't want to say genius, probably, yes. Yeah, no, 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 come on. See, talking <laughs> about James Joseph Brown I think genius has to be in the question Gen- and, but, but, but where the story everywhere. is where the story is as a young boy 7 year old 10 year old yeah. you really couldn't have said you, yeah yeah you, obviously you, you wouldn't, wouldn't be able to jump to conclusions you wouldn't yet. be able to tell mm-hmm. if he was a legend or, or a genius but yeah. he stuck he had a special talent yeah. being able to learn you know initiative as a young boy and you know pursuing something you, you watch people on TV, you're inspired, you're like, yo, I like what I see, I want to learn this, and then they got you a piano, and within yeah. a day, you're able to. So that's some initiative as a young boy and some talent to be able exactly. to play that quickly. All right, so let's go. I'm trying to, what, what I'm trying to do right now is map all the way down to 1965 when mm. the song was recorded. Mm. So um, 
he went on like that for a while, going to school back and forth and all of that. Now, when he was 15, he started petty crime. Petty crime in the fact that he wanted more, obviously. So he would steal from cars. Now, some people then said it was a thing. Hmm. Even though it was a crime, it was a thing. People did that a lot. Still, I mean, they were not they were not killing anybody. They just cars that were carelessly, you know, left alone. Mm. They would just go there, steal one or two things, mm. and they wouldn't even sell them. They would use them for themselves. So I would even call that smart thievery. Do you understand? Like these are things that you can. I think this is a familiar story, right? Yeah, a familiar story. Obviously, a lot of people. And that's on. A lot of people, like loads of black people, at some point in their lives, did stuff like this. Mm. And you know, like they. Would... Why is it just black people? It might be white people too. Yeah, but like majorly. Oh really? It was yeah. It was a thing. It was a. It was like a major crime for black people. Mm. You understand? And we're not saying it. It's like the cocaine ec- epidemic. Mm. It happened to everybody. But in the US, they would say it's a major black. Thingy. you know thing so back to them um back to that and uh, that led to the very first i don't know whether i I like to call this a pivotal time in his life because mm. it was a bad and good news for him mm. it tilted his life one way and it made it good so he got caught at some point mm. and he was sentenced to jail which was very harsh because he got six to 18 years in juvie mm. which is a lot for petty crime i mm. mean this guy didn't kill anybody you know he could have gotten two years mm. three years in juvie four years no. Six to eighteen, it's like they wanted to lock him up for life. So uh, during his years in prison, uh, he started playing music a lot, mm. and he met a couple of people. You know, they would because it's juvie; it's not prison prison. So yeah. they would move from community to communities to Super play nice. games, to merge with other yeah. uh, correctional facilities. He met somebody else somewhere that was about to get off, mm. that was into music, and you know they formed a band. So each time they met, they like would they would music. play music and do stuff. And he was very active, and a lot of people around him knew he was good in music. In mm. fact. You know, it was said that he was a superstar in prison because mm. they loved him because he could. He wanted a song, he wanted come to up get with things, verse come up with time. verses and flows for them, and it was really cool. So by the time he was nineteen, he left prison, and then his life started to work good because then mm. he could. He got you know involved in music. They got they started working hotels, and at some point they got a contract. Now that's where his life started. Is that the same guy he met in juvie? Yeah, the same guy he met in the other. What's it's his not name? his own juvie. The other juvie, I can't remember his name okay, right now, so but they, they he was, that guy was, I remember Bootsy Collins or Bootsy Williams, that's the other guy he met later on, hmm. but that guy was the guy that made him meet this guy, hmm. the guy that would change his life hmm. for the better. So they worked, started working, but because of that guy, the other guy now, that the no-name, let's call him no-name, because no-name couldn't work with him hmm. because of they were far apart, I think, that's one of the reasons. They stopped, you know, working together. And then he met another group of guys. Because his music, you would always meet people. So he joined them. They used to call themselves the Flames. Hmm. Now, that was the first James Brown on the Flames. But they only called James Brown on the Flames. So they started working on records. And they had a couple of records, like Please, 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 yeah. which he had already been recording for a while. Hmm. He has been singing for a while. He just properly recorded it. So he was already becoming a minor star. Hmm. I mean, people around the community knew who he was. What's the arena? What's, what state was that? What's American mm, state? I can't remember the American state right now. South Carolina. So he was already a big deal in South Carolina, uh, Barnwell to be exact. And he kept on working, you know, the famous Flames. That was their name. Hmm. So after all of that... It's like the Glorious Five, mm-hmm. Westgate or Jackson Five. Exactly. So twenty, he was 20 and then he got his major hits. Now they signed him. Another record label signed him off another record label. That's how good he was. Mm. So he was already on one record label, but the other record label came to sign him. 
So he went on to do some songs and at some point, after their first two songs, they began to flop. Things were not going well. So because of that, the the owner of the record label was only concerned about commercial songs. But they were making songs that were not so commercial according to the founder. Mm. So he would already allow them to release records. So they would do records, he would not allow them to release it. They would do records, not allow them to release it. And it wasn't like he was hindering them from releasing it. They just mm. didn't have the funds mm. to release it. Because this is like a usual thing. You take to radio, you drop money. Mm. You take to this place, you drop money. So people have to get paid to play your song. Mm. Even if it is the greatest song of all time. This was 1940. This was 1950s. Now you're entering 1953, 1956, P- 1957. Payola, P- 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 exactly. So <coughs> what he did was he gathered money that he got from the record label as, you know, his own personal cash mm. and he did a song now uh please yeah now he recorded please 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 now when he recorded please 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 he went around and he started to started to he started to go uh to the record labels himself mm. the radio stores he went to jamaican stores where they used to play loud music and he would pay them mm. to play his song wow. and before you knew it he started to yeah. get traction. Yeah, and the song he did that time was called Try Me. Now, that Try Me on its own mm. went on to number three on without the help of the label. On what platform? Billboard? Yeah, Billboard. Went oh. to number three without the help. No, Billboard small, the, like, Billboard for his community, like, okay. the sound the, of his the, community. The, the top ten in, in the, the top town. top ten is in town. And it went to number three in the town. So that's when the producer said, oh, okay, this is good. I'm going to put money into this. And that you know, from went from, crazy. from what you know about the story, was he the success? Was it the, was it about the music? Was it more about the music or more about the business pushing the music? Yeah, I think uh, for him, it was more about the music. He was sure of the music. That's why he could put the little funds. So he had. whatever he put on it would multiply. Exactly. He didn't care. He, at some point, he didn't even care. He just wanted the music to be out there because hmm. he was already used to the. After please 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 was big. So, you know that taste of glory, like people know my song. I need to get out there more. more. People too. And of course, he evolved because he got better and better. So now, for a while, they tried to release albums fifty eight, fifty nine to like sixty two or sixty three, but there was nothing that was hit. So they decided to change the name from the Famous Flames to James Brown and the Famous Flames because mm. it mirrored other artists at that time, mm. like Frankie Lyman and the other guys. The you know the this the, person and the Supremes or exactly Dana so, um Dana Ross and the Supremes was you that know? was that the title no 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 I'm mean, saying like yeah, that was not the title but like, like imagine Dana Ross and the Supremes yeah you understand and even though that never happened though yeah. <laughs> Frankie Lyman I've forgotten the name of his other guys you know the Jackson Five imagine there was always an outlier of somebody that was Orlando out there. and the Canary exactly beach. so that was the thing then. You understand? Everybody had a major artist and every other person like follows suit. So, this went on for a while and they got angry. So, the guys that were with him before they left and then there was a change. Now, this change was the change that happened that made James Brown. Hmm. That change that happened was what James Brown needed. So, they started to make music and then they made the first song that went crazy. Papa's got a brand new bag. This is 1965. So, um, tracking the, you know, where, we, where we're coming from, Orlando Gilos Ijoso, 1966, right? Yes. At this time, James Brown had been moving. Um, Papa was a Rolling Stone, of course. Oh, <laughs> Papa got a bra- Papa. 
got a brand new bag. Papa has a brand new bag and uh, 1965... Papa's got a brand new bag. It's the same thing. <laughs> okay. Papa's got a brand new bag and um, I'm, I'm looking at where a feel good came in and how big it was just be- just before a feel good. Now, is, is he playing... Is, is he becoming that superstar already? Is he playing big arena? Yeah, he's, he's, already, he's already... Now, you know, they already knew him from Please, What please, label please, is please. this, by the way? They already knew him from Please, Please, Please and Try Me. So, she was already... King Records. Okay, King Records. Yeah, mm. I think I saw that. Yeah, like King one Records. Of, one of the vinyls. She was already. He was already. He was already big. Mm. He just had minor hits, mm. so he could bring down bars, bring down small, uh, small arenas. Yeah. Because the music is there. You understand? He had songs to play. Please, please, please try me. These were songs that they already people already love to listen mm. to. But Papa's got a brand new bag. Was that song that made him? Yeah. James Brown. Do you understand? I mean, they knew who he was, but Papa's Got a Brand New Bag was James Brown. And then, a movie came out. And that movie was, he wasn't even supposed to be in that film. It was just a movie where they needed an artist to feature in the film. And then he did the song, I Feel Good. Hmm. Now, if you think about this in the real sense of the word, his break came from doing something he was not supposed to do. Which was? Reminder? The movie. Okay. He did the soundtrack for the film. Hmm. But the song blew up. Well, I'm sure there, there, there is some element of that, of the popularity that came off, the yeah. impact of the song in the movie. But then, yeah, yeah the impact of the song in the movie, but it was that movie scene. Hmm. That's where he iconic. did the dance. And that, yeah, that went mm-hmm. crazy. I mean, mm-hmm. he said something even funny. He said in the movie scene, the last scene where he was supposed to go out, he did the splits and his um, trousers tall like it like he could feel like yeah, yeah. He, he felt but because he was so happy because yeah, that was the cool. last scene so he just he said he just kept himself <laughs> in order so he didn't want and he's a big man yeah um fella at some point i don't want to go all over the place but i feel good is one of those biggest james brown song and like you said that movie is the moment in that movie and yeah. the, the, the 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 role the song plays in that movie you know mm. how it make people feel uh, would have uh, would have added to the popularity. It's a man's world. Is another song. This genre is called blues, right? Yeah. How 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 do I phrase this? I feel good, and it's a man's world. What are the other songs on this scale? What was the biggest genre at the time? Obviously, blues and jazz. Yeah. I mean, if you are like, talk, if you are talking about sixties, you are talking about that's life. You're talking about the Beatles, Hey Jude. You're talking about Rolling Stones. Then we're dropping songs back mm. to back. You're talking about Otis Redding's um, Try a Little Tenderness. Mm. You're talking about... Sam Cooke. Sam Cooke. That's the... Yeah. Nina Simone. 65. Sam Cooke's um, A Change Is Gonna Come. Yeah. We're talking about Nina Simone's Cinnamon. Yeah. We're talking about songs that... And our songs around that era were heavy, but... James Brown was their daddy. Aretha Franklin. Aretha Franklin, obviously, too. But, uh-huh. like, all of them were around then. Mm. Even, you know, Aretha Franklin, Etta James. Etta mm. James released in that same year. Ella Fitzgerald. At last. Ella, Ella Fitzgerald as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, you know, she was more on the jazz line. So, yeah, yeah. you don't want to put her in the same context as these guys. But still. But, but that, that's the era. That's the era. So, now, that era was packed. But James Brown stood out. You know why? Because the Beatles were referred to as the pop guys. The Rolling Stones pop slash R&B. Mm. But you see, James Brown, 
the king of soul and R&B. Yeah, king of soul and R&B. At what point? Okay, king of pop mm. is Michael Jackson. Yeah. I want to connect those two dots, but I'm still all about it's a man's world and I feel good. What, uh, you know, big shows everywhere, arenas and stuff. Mm. Uh, what can we say about the power of I feel good hit songs like the like, like those in that era? Like, I watch some of those shows and I'm like, yo, this lots of people. Wow, yeah, I feel good. I feel good. Like I said, I feel good. So good was shocking. And the showmanship. You know, one of the things that you know you have to give props to James Brown for was he always took everything serious. Hmm. And that was evident. We'll be sweating on stage. Okay? And that was evident in every well, what part. Saying? That's cliche, but... Every part his of own, his life. His, his own yeah, no, he wasn't playing. No, no, no. He wasn't playing. You know, you could... You see people would... I mean, come on. You can do all... Like, a gather round of all the artists that we had then. The Donna Summers, Frankie Lyman, everybody. Everybody was dancing fresh dance. Hmm. When I mean fresh dance, even the people that would it's move fresh. a bit, maybe like... Was cool and the gang around? No, they were not around yet. So yes, they were in like 68. Yeah. But it was it were Robert Cole then, not James But they James were Taylor. too cool, right? Yeah, like the Temptation would stand... Yeah. Papa was Co- a role choreography and, and you know, I mean I do like this. And, and James Brown would be all all over the stage and you know, running you, around. You know what you know what we need to also point out? James Brown was one of the people that made people start dancing on stage. Mm, that's you see that, that you need to drop the fact that you're a superstar and you're doing music and dance. Because mm. look at this. The same temptations that did Papa was a Rolling Stone standing and turning in nineteen eighty did treat her like a lady. And we're losing weight on stage. Do you understand? And that that you could say, and I can boldly say it, I can hit my chest and say, James Brown effect. So was James Brown just the first rock star outside rock before Michael Jackson? Yes, boss. Nobody else. I don't there, think there so. must have been a there must have been maybe somebody that we don't know about right now. Like his song says, we recently did, um Dennis Edwards. That was later. Dennis Edwards is temptation. Okay. He was part of the Papa was a rolling stone. <laughs> no, Dennis Edwards was cool. In fact, Dennis Edwards was regarded to as like one of the best. James Brown in Africa, before we go too far. James Brown came to Nigeria. Yeah, he did. He went to a couple of countries first before he came to Nigeria. And there's a fella episode saying, you know, essentially dissing Nigerian artists saying they are James Brown's wannabe. Uh, yeah, but don't forget that fella himself said James Brown was an inspiration for his sound. So basically, I think what happened was that he just was saying everybody wanted to be exactly like James Brown. They didn't want to have their own elements in and they were doing their own, you know, stuff. But James Brown had the energy, had the vibe, and that's what Fela learned from him. Yes or yes? Because if there was no James Brown dancing and doing arrangements like that, Fela would have never thought about doing active music that way. Because if you think about it, there's one of these um there's one of these um songs. I think it was it's not Shakara, I think it's Ruffle Ruffle Fight, where Fela did the stuff where he made his saxophone sound like drums. Yo. Fela learned that from James Brown. Wow, that's why. Because James Brown in I want to remember the name of the song now. Um it's an it's, it's, it's an early song. I don't think it was Papa's brand new bag. Hmm. Everything that you hear in that song, saxophone, guitar, percussion, all sound like percussion. Hmm. That was the first time anybody did that madness. So it's a musical. Yeah, people see people say people say the funk he brought into that soul was unimaginable because hmm. he was 
it was already hard enough to blow the saxophone on its own. Now make saxophone sound like a drum. Yo. Come on, that's a madness. Mad. And then Fela redid that with Ruffle Ruffle Five. So apparently. He redid that with ODOO as well. Um, James Brown, needless to say, must have been a uh, multi instrumentalist. Yeah, he, the he, he was an arranger basically. Yeah. The, he, he could arrange. He the knew guitar what he, too. Yeah, he was playing the guitar, but he could how, arrange. How much of the guitar was, was used in his music? Uh, a lot actually. Although he had a guitarist, more as Parker. Hmm. That one was a bad guy. Yeah, mad. Do you understand? So, mad. He so w- in fact, you don't. I don't think you can call him a multi-instrumentalist because he wasn't a lot on the instruments. Hmm. He had the famous fames were very good. The JBs that he got in the 70s were very good. Hmm. What he could do was arrange music. Hmm. And that's what, you know, that guy took from him. Let's talk about legacy and superstardom, right? All right. Um, it's a man's world is one of those songs that <laughs> will always that's a be will always be useful. Yeah, that's and a it, classic. And it's going to be nothing without the woman. Of that's course. a classic. Is that attached to anybody before him? No, we don't know. But I know, don't think so. I think a, that's for me. James for me, Brown creation. for me, that's James Brown's biggest record. It's mad. Yeah. Now, the money and superstardom. This guy comes to Africa or wherever he's playing. It's wild. Yeah thousands of people because it's funk and he, he's known too he was known now this was just before michael jackson michael jackson became something else entirely but how much in today's in where we are as music is as a music ecosystem in the world right how much of james, james brown is still here how much money is he still making james brown music is still sampled to today obviously Obviously, right? But and that's ju- that just shows the essence of his being. Mm. He's present all the and time. And as, as a pioneer, too. I mean, like sometimes some somebody a record producer said, the shout of James Brown is popular than some people's music. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> I feel good. That ah. sound alone, that first part, the shout. That's yeah, what there's he said. Something he said. Ladies and gentlemen, that sort of things you you make fun about. And and, and those are the things that describe him. Exactly. In fact, if you don't know the music, you know, I don't know what you guys, ladies and gentlemen, do. You just say one thing and that's part. And I'm. There's this joke by Eddie Buffy that says. There's this joke by Eddie Buffy that says. I just feel like I should just. I I may not be able to crack the joke as much as Eddie Buffy. Eddie Buffy says. The, he was. He's very sure that sometimes the JBs don't understand what James Brown is saying. But they you know say, "Cause I don't like, know what you're saying." You know, whatever he says, the guys behind they always say, "Yeah." So it's like, so it's like, who's gonna get us over there? And everybody's just like, "I say, yeah." So he was this man on stage that he was. He was so free. He was a Look, one of the few times when I've watched his shows or just watching his performances, yeah. I'll be like, "Yo, this man is so." unashamed he yeah. was a big man he wasn't always big though but at some point he got, yeah, yeah. He got in the big 80s, he got back again my point is he didn't give a f- he didn't care about what he looked like he would jump up with the size yeah he would be all over the place with yo did you see did you see um tuxedo nah jackie chan did you see tuxedo there's a movie uh, called tuxedo jackie chan jackie i mean you chan just talk about like him Jackson acted like him in that film. And then he did, get up, get up, like a sexy machine, get up. Now, James Brown was performing the song alongside him. Now, in the real film, in the film, the plot of the film, Jackie Chan actually knocked out James Brown. Hmm. 
So James Brown was not in that scene, but in the real, like behind the scenes. Mm. So Jack Chan did something. Obviously, you know Jack Chan is a stop man. So he did the split and stood up. Hmm. And James Brown told him, You can't split faster than me. And this is what he said. You may be skinny and think you're fast, but I'm, I'm faster than you. I'm going to try to leave this without editing because they call some people, Oh, I this man why. is a sexy man alive. <laughs> this, this man is this. He wasn't that, that figure, really. Yeah, he wasn't. But he didn't care. That, that taught me something. Believe in yourself. You don't see it is what you tell the world you are that they will take. Yeah. If you start to cower or say because you, you don't look like this, then he 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 stood his ground and he made the he, he took the art like yo, I don't care. I'm going to express myself the way I want and you, you will feel me. So on stage, you know, you know his personality was out there and he he expressed himself. That's one thing I I respect about him, or, or I love about his persona. Yeah. But but it's the same thing about the chance he does on stage. There was there's a popular clip about James Brown and, and Michael Jackson on stage, right? Oh yeah, they called Michael Jackson's in stage out. and then so he called Prince as well. That's again That's such a beautiful scenery. Stagecraft, right? He owns the stage. Yeah. He entertains you. And two guys. of them were so shy. Yeah. Because they were standing beside him. It was so yeah. it was so it was so beautiful it's to an see. Extrovert, obviously. Yeah, it was so beautiful to see <laughs> it that was an extrovert. he called two of them up and these two guys, as at that time, that's like were the biggest artists in the whiskey world. Whiskey Burner, David on one stage. No, no, that's not the level. Please don't bring that into this. <laughs> this is James Brown, the father of their father. He's hmm. their dad. Hmm. And then he calls the two young he's boys. Their dad like that, like that. Yeah, he's their dad. He's like senior brother. No, he's not senior brother. He's like their dad. In 66, um, James Brown was already 33. Michael was probably... Michael was probably, what, 25. 5 or 8 or maybe 11. Wow. Yeah, so in 69... Michael Jackson was 11 years old in 69. James Brown was 36. Like, well, like yeah, daddy. he's their daddy. <laughs> you understand? Their dad. <laughs> if not for the fact that he's not... Come on, I'm sure his first child was the same age as Michael Jackson. Because mm. he gave birth to his first child at age 20. So, speaking... Talking superstardom, right? Talking superstardom, Michael became bigger, obviously. Yeah. And became wilder. Yeah. Everywhere he went to. Wembley, China. Yeah. But then, do not. You know, one of the things that I like to talk about, I want people to know, is the amount of times James Brown had to revive his own career on his own. Hmm. He did that numerous times. Because, hmm. for example, in the 70s, his record sales declined because of the popping up of disco. Hmm. But he came back with heavier stuff. Get Up Like a Sex Machine was in the 80s. That's one of the biggest songs. That's 20 years Two, after, 25 20, years 25 after. years after dropping his first major record that people can classify that's, as that's the biggest. Some Tina and energy. then in the 90s, do not forget, we had this conversation yesterday. If we don't talk this talk here, hmm. it's, this episode cannot be complete. <laughs> he was the first artist to collect 150,000 US dollars per night Yo. in 1991. Even Michael wasn't collecting 150,000 in 1991. 31 years And ago. don't forget, do not forget, this man just came off, he came out of prison. Yo. Yeah. So like crazy. the effect was mad. He, 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 when you come out of prison, you're meant to be deranged. Like you're meant to be upset about life hmm. and probably be suicidal. That's what they say you expect. That's or, the good energy I'm talking exactly. about. He's very confident. Very... You need to see his video of him coming out of prison. That's the coolest shit ever <laughs> I've seen. Very convinced. Very... Man's in his suit cool. and he's like, he's like, yo, yeah. I'm back. I'm back, bitch. I'm back, bitches. <laughs> So that's that's about that. Before we wrap up, of course, Mobad found found his way into this conversation. I don't know how. Mobad. Maybe we should have. 
We should have picked a <laughs> few <laughs> more other people. <laughs> a few other people. Some other people who sampled James Brown. So that yeah, a lot of people we can't touch it. We just see. Let's deal with it. See, we know just in case. Mobad did a song that was one of the biggest songs in Nigeria, 2021, 2022, which was titled I'm So that's a James Brown influence. Yeah, Mobad is wasn't born in 91. He wasn't. And so... I feel good was 1960-65. That tells you that the song is still... 65 to 2021. That's almost 51 years. I'm almost 56 years, right? 56 years. That's crazy. So a song like that still being sampled. <laughs> Someone tweeted recently that Afrobeats people, they sample tire. Now that we have a uh, uh, Billboard Afrobeats chart... Mm. Everybody should be careful. Yeah, it's, it's a different ball game if now. If you go and sample James Brown, and it's a different not, ball game now. Collab, you do not clear your sample. It's I a expect. Ball game I, now. I naturally expect that if you are set up as a label, you should be able to do these things. You, you, there should be you, a lawyer in charge of someone making those would, things happen. Would hint you like calling yo. people in Universal, saying people in like you know Sony, we're about to get this record out. Yeah. What exactly? Do I believe most people to? do. I believe most people. Let's do. hope so. Especially in the last five expose, years. This would expose a lot of people. You can't be making. Four million naira per show and not give a. I mean, you have a team, so I I expect that at least the signed guys know, the the people who are signed to a label, or a major, or a minor, know that you. I need to I need to be careful what I what I put on my record. Yeah, this has been good. So yeah, that song was big twenty twenty one, and I don't know somehow may have inspired. No, it didn't inspire this episode. It was when I heard Joso that I that I felt you. Let's do this, but yeah, it's worthy of note that. A young artist like Mobad, coming from an entirely different culture, what you would call Malian music, Afrobeat, a subgenre of Afrobeat, you know, Kokpoke, uh, those slangs and that, that culture, being able to connect to to the king of soul and R&B all the way in America is something. So, production credits before we go. All right, so let's go through. Do not forget, Joe Soul and I Feel Good are the songs we talked about. Orlando Julius, Joe Soul, produced by... Orlando Julius and his band, year 1966, album Super Afro Soul. Now, James Brown, I Feel Good, produced by the Magnificento James Brown, from the album Out of Sight, released in 1965. Mobad, I Feel Good, released in 2021, one of the biggest songs of 2021 for Nigerians. Um, producer, Nifkees. So yeah, that's, that's our wrap. Thank you again for... Thank God, first of all, for the success of another episode. Thank you for spending your one hour with us. We appreciate it. And we hope you share this with someone who might like it or not. Thank you so much. Find us on social media. Wega underscore on Twitter. Wega on LinkedIn on Facebook. Wega on Instagram. Nelson doesn't need to share his uh, handles. The, the Holy Spirit will minister <laughs> to you. To you. Uh, and the algorithm will suggest his handles to you. Follow Sample Access Pod on Twitter. Yeah. Send us messages if you like what we do or you don't like it and you want us to improve. Please don't hesitate. Would you like to? Let me just pity you. <laughs> Mention one of Follow me on, on Twitter, NWANIE, capital N. Follow me on Instagram, NWANIE.Nelson. You know, you can hit me up anywhere. Even my WhatsApp number, you're going to need to text me. Or DM me on Instagram. Come on, nobody, nobody wants that. Yeah. How do you know, though? We out. Peace out. Sample access. Sample access.
Administered by Boyga Nelson. Yeah, let me try that. You're listening to the Sample Access Podcast.